Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. Folks, it's not a stretch for me to say that Sunday is my favorite day of the week. I love seeing you guys. I love preparing these messages. I, I, am, I am just jazzed. Do we say jazzed? Kids are like, no. You are a nerd, Pastor Dave. I am so excited, jazzed, to talk about this bodacious, no, um, <laughs> gnarly. <laughs> oh, Pastor's so old. All right, um, this particular talk today, I can't wait. Groovy? Anybody here? Groovy? Anybody know Groovy? Okay, yeah. What was come on? What was the, what were they talking about in the, in the early 1900s? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was uh, swell. Yes, yeah, swell. There you go. Uh, do you guys know it's okay to have fun in church? It's okay to have a good time. It's actually necessary. It's 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 okay to laugh and to enjoy your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right? It's good. Don't ever feel, feel shame. Just don't laugh at me. Laugh with me. The big idea, this, this title is called, the, the title of this message is Above and Beyond. Above and Beyond. Okay? Um, and the big idea is this. The believer can rely on God to provide rest, restoration, and spiritual uh, sustenance again and again it's not out there, but I'll say it again. Again. Regardless of life's pace or circumstances. Open up the Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And as we're reading this today, I want you to just breathe. Just breathe. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. Talked about last, last week. That was where we, as far as we got last week, really. My shepherd, right? I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever and ever and ever. Lord, thank you for this passage of Scripture that we know that is very familiar. Many people who are not even believers in Christ know the gist of this passage. God, I pray today that you would drive it home into our souls that you would give us a fresh look at it 
help us understand that this represents not an idea, but a person. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Psalms 23 paints a picture of a loving, caring, and concerned shepherd. Our good shepherd sustains our minds, our bodies, and our soul in the present and in the future. He guides us to rest. Think about that for a second. Often in our, our, our world, the world we live in, we're not guided to rest. We're guided to do something. Do something. Right? We're, we're, we're kind of frenetic in our life today. He guides us to rest and to restoration. David Polson create, uh, created a tongue-in-cheek anti-Psalm 23, which begins this way. I'm on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. Remember that character in Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore? <laughs> Everybody's like, whoa, I got more amens than it. Oh, Eeyore, oh, I know Eeyore, yeah. I am Eeyore. <laughs> if, if you took that anti-Psalm 23 and you put it up against the real Psalm 23, where are you? Where are you? Are you more the Eeyore? Mm-hmm. Sadly, we live in a world that lauds self-sufficiency. Alberta, right? We can do it ourselves. We think we can handle it. We can, we can get it. A world lauds self-sufficiency, sometimes causing detrimental effects on our faith and our physical well-being. Ask anyone, especially today and age, trying to balance work, family, health, and social life. What's that? Remember that? Remember that thing we used to call a social life? Where you could go to a restaurant after 9.30 and not, <laughs> not be uh, threatened to go to the pokey, right? I'm really dating myself. Okay, uh, your social life. Remember that balance? You ask somebody about that, and you'll probably hear something like along the lines of this. I'm tired. It's too much. Can't handle it. I'm stressed. What's a social life? Remember those things called, thing that was called fun? Remember that whole thing? Remember fun? The other day, somebody showed a picture online, and it was like, uh, a concert or something like that. It was like, you know, a fun, fun, something that you would go to is funny. He said, remember crowds? <laughs> remember that? Those fun things called crowds. You know, can, remember that? Well, it's just the way it is, right? I get a sense that we are, we are collectively burning out. As a culture, not just because of COVID. That's, this is not a COVID message. It just, it just, this, this thing has, got, has, has done, uh, put a magnifying glass on what's really going on in our culture. 
Can we say that? I mean, it's not, it's not about COVID, but it's, it is amplified because of it. Can we see that? But it is what it is. We, we've, we've, we've done this before. It's just, it's just really accentuated. We're in collective burnout. Being addicted to chronic busyness might feel good because of the adrenaline rush you get from the stress of all that activity. But it can be harmful to your health. Interestingly enough, um, people get addicted to being busy. When you're doing... In fact, when we, we have a hard time unplugging. We have a hard time not knowing what's going on. We have a hard time... Uh, I, I can tend to be... Uh, well, let's put it, uh, my family, we are busy people. Lisa and I can actually tend towards the, the spectrum of... And, and Julie knows this because she was with us for a long time. <laughs> to, towards like workaholicness. Is that a thing? We, 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 we can go there because it's, it's satisfying, it's gratifying, and then if you don't, once you get that life, you kind of feel like lazy when you're not doing something. What are people going to think? I don't want to be lazy. The clinical staff at the Mayo Clinic warns, the long-term activation of the stress response system and the subsequent overexposure to cortisol and other stress hormones can disrupt almost all of your body processes. Those stress hormones can increase your risk of health problems, such as anxiety, depression, headaches, heart disease, sleep problems, and even memory and concentration impairment. What is this all saying? Take a breath. Slow down. It'll be there tomorrow. I mean... There's a difference between being a sluggard and lazy and not being a workaholic. There's a difference. There's a difference. As a society, we need to stop glorifying busyness, freneticism. We need to stop competing against each other for who's the busiest. All oh, this happens in the church world all the time. Pastors get together, and it's like, look how busy I am. Oh, you think you're busy. Look how busy I am. But you, right? No, no, no. You should have seen my week last week. I had like four counseling, I had this and I had that. Oh man, you are you are the king. You are the most most effective minister of the gospel since Peter. Because you never take a break. You are my hero. And that's it's what it is, it's competition. We do that, we do that. We're, our Western culture is bent towards that. Now, not every culture is like that, by the way. Not everyone is like that. I mean, there's extremes like Greece. But anyway, uh, they retire at like 45. But anyway, uh, there's other cultures who are not as frenetic as we are. All right, back to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 makes the believer take an important look at their life. You remember, you are the, the, these, are, these are people in this song. It's not an idea. There is a shepherd, and then there are sheep. We are not the shepherd. We've got to get that out of our heads. We are the sheep. Deal with it. We are. We're the sheep in this story. 
God is calling each of us to slow down, rest, and be restored in him. What does he call us to? He says, he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. He makes me rest. Instead of pursuing paths of achievement and wealth, can we allow God to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? We don't focus on righteousness when we're busy with everything else. It takes contemplation. It takes rumination. That's an agricultural word. Sheep will not ruminate unless they are at rest. You know what rumination is? Basically throwing up in your mouth. Fun stuff. Yeah. Rumination means they, they bring up the, the, the food that they, the grass where they beat, and then they, they munch on it some more. They, they, they meditate on it. They ruminate on it. You know what it does? It gets all the nutrients out of it. But if they, don't, if they can't rest, they're just constantly, and, they're, and they become, well, we're going to get into that later. This is a long sermon, so buckle your spells like Lisa said. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean that we never grow weary or that we don't work or focus on our family or personally responsible for things. And it doesn't mean that there's some seasons of life where you've got to hustle. We talk about that with Dave Ramsey stuff. Sometimes it's a season of hustling so that you can rest. But that can't be, you, you know, you ever watch a marathon? It's so boring. Like, why are we televising marathons? That is dumb. Now, watch a sprint. You watch a sprint? That's exciting. That's exciting. That's adrenaline. You can't sprint forever. When you're, when you're a marathon runner, when you're, going to, you're playing the long game, you've got to go easy. You've got to take strides and steps. You've got to know when to push, and you've got to know when to reserve your energy. But you get, we're in a culture now that's trying to sprint all the time. That's not good. It's not healthy. It's going to hurt us. The focus and pace of our lives need to be influenced by the leadership of the shepherd who sustains us, gives us rest, and restores our soul. We got to let him lead us in seasons and paths, different paths. Sometimes it's time to rest. Sometimes it's to move to another, another pasture. He leads us. We don't, got out of, we don't get out ahead of him. It only makes sense that the shepherd knows his sheep and what they need. He is able to provide for those needs when we allow him to. Psalms 23, 2-5 says this, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. A real-life shepherd and author of the book, A Shepherd, Look, uh, shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, W. Phillips Keller says this. Watch this. This is pretty cool. This is a real-life uh, South African shepherd. Here we go. The strange thing about sheep is that because of their very makeup, it is almost impossible 
for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Because of their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free from fear. They can't lie down. They can't get comfortable unless they're free from fear. Because of their social behavior within the flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. We'll get into these. If tormented by flies or pests, sheep will not lie down. Only when they are free from these pests can they relax. Sheep will not lie down as long as they feel the need to find food. They must be free from hunger. Those are the four things that have to happen according to a real live shepherd if you are to make a sheep rest and lie down. When fear, unrest, agitation, and hunger are nagging at us, we cannot be at peace as the good shepherd wants us to. Now, focus on this. This, is, this, will, this will play into a lot of things that we've been talking about. A couple of different people have brought this to my attention, even as I'm preparing this message. Alberta referenced it this morning. Interestingly enough, it is not the sheep's job to create this peace. It is not the sheep's job to create or curate this peace. It is the shepherd's job. And if he is a good shepherd, he will work to create an environment that allows for this reality. The good shepherd, this is the next section, right? the good shepherd drives out fear. Psalm 23.5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, the way we're going to do this, this, there's two sections in this, there's four sections actually. There's the intro, my Lord is my shepherd. And now we're going to talk about casting out the, the fear of the, the four, the fear of the four. And then in the center, there's that whole part where it talks about um, the valley of the shadow of death. We're going to struggle with that part next week. And then the last week, we're going to talk about and goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So don't miss a week. It's a little commercial there. You repair a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Fear of outside threats. In the Christian life, there is no substitute for keeping aware, uh, be, uh, for keen awareness that the shepherd is nearby. Right? There's no substitute for knowing that the shepherd is nearby. There's nothing like Christ's presence to dispel fear, the panic, the terror of the unknown. Fear is all about the unknown. Well, Pastor, I'm afraid of this thing. No, you're not. You're afraid of what this thing is going to bring because you don't know what it's going to bring. I know what I'm afraid of. They gave me, you know, three months to live. You're not afraid of that thing. You're afraid of what's coming after. Because I've known people. I've known people that have a diagnosis and they're not afraid because they know that goodness and mercy shall follow them all the days of their life and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
It's that knowledge that drives out fear. It's the presence of the shepherd in the situation, close to the situation, that drives out fear. It's the unknown that brings fear. Remember you were a kid when you were a kid? When those lights went out, the whole room changed. It became the worst dungeon in any castle in the world. Not because it's, the room changed, it's because you couldn't see past a certain area. And your mind started playing tricks on you because of the unknown. You couldn't see it. Remember? You guys are like, I did it last night. I think I told you, even to this day, I can't let my arm hang over the bed. I have to keep it on top because I don't know. What's, just that idea. I don't know if somebody at one point traumatized me by maybe my brother or something. It's the fear of the unknown. I'm telling you. Only the presence of the one who has control and can see what we can't see. The perspective is higher. All these staying close, having him in our circle, being, being uh, connected to that shepherd dispels fear because we, we have a confidence that he knows where, the, where, the, where the, the wolves are. He knows where the dangerous cliffs reside. So if I stay close to him, I don't have to worry about the things that I don't know because he knows. Did anybody else have an uptick in wild animals in their neighborhood? We had a bobcat, a coyote, a bear, and a buck with a huge, you know, antler rack. Walk through the buck is we're we're eating breakfast yesterday, and the buck just walks down the road. Where's my gun? I mean, uh, I mean, it was like, they're all moving back in, apparently. All right, so fear. The shepherd dispels fear of outside threats. The shepherd also dispels fear of internal unrest. Amongst the herd, according to uh, this shepherd, there's a pecking uh, order in the herd and a hierarchy. Especially during certain times of year. I'll give you an idea of what time of year that is. It's when the, all the boy sheep start getting very romantic. They start going, mm, look at me, I'm so big. Look at my big horns. <laughs> they start button heads on each other, right? Uh, <laughs> there is a constant posturing by some of the sheep to assert their dominance. That doesn't happen amongst humans, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Ladies, you're the worst at this. I'm just saying. There's a whole industry pointed toward that, like these fashion magazines. Oh. You do realize that guys only dress nice because you make us? <laughs> if it was just all guys, if we knew it was just going to be guys, we'd all be slubs. It's only because you have refined us. You're the ones reading the magazines, not us. All right. 
During these times, it's very hard to get the sheep to relax and rest. Keller says this, the sheep become edgy, tense, discontented, and restless. They lose weight and become irritable. Well, they're trying to impress the male sheep. But one point that always interests him, this is him talking, is very much, uh, was that whenever I came, meaning the shepherd, I came into view. My presence attracted attention. The sheep quickly forgot their foolish rivalries and stopped their fighting. The shepherd's presence made all the difference in their behavior. So often we attempt to keep up with the Joneses. The poor Joneses, they get picked on all the time. They must be very wealthy, these Joneses, because you can never quite make up, you can never quite live up to the Joneses. They're always ahead of us, those Joneses. We, keep, we try to keep up with that status. Our focus is off of the shepherd and makes us compare ourselves to others making us assert our dominance and superiority. We need to put our eyes on the supreme provider and allow ourselves to rest in his care. We spend so much time to make, trying to make ourselves supreme. Supreme. Dominant. And I could just picture the shepherd going, what a dumb sheep. I feel sorry for that sheep. Hey, hey, stupid. Look, look at the shepherd. I'm here. You're not, you're, not the, you're not the boss. You're not dominant. I am. All the stuff that you have, I gave you. All the stuff you don't have, you don't need. If you needed it, I would have given it to you. So stop Puffing yourself up, trying to be so big. And be humble and grateful, and I will always take care of you. Stop posturing. I will give you what you need. But, but shepherd, I want. Ah, I know you want, but here's the thing. Sometimes you want what you shouldn't have because what you want is going to get you into trouble and I know that so I am not going to give it to you. You can go outside of my will and you can go get that thing but I guarantee you you're not, it's not going to satisfy. I've given everything you need. Psalm 23.5 You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The good shepherd dispels fear of a harassing distress. Fly time. Fly time. There's a thing called fly time. Didn't know this until I read this book. There's a thing called fly time. During fly time, all these different flies and bugs and gnats, they, they come out of nowhere, and they, they pest and gnaw at and bite and live in the sheep's 
fur, uh, what is it, wool? Yeah, wool. But there's one particular fly that is very annoying to a sheep. And it's called a nasal fly. Mm. So these nasal flies, they will go up into the sheep's nose. And that's annoying enough, right? Everybody get a bug in their eye? I hate those things. They go up into the nose, and they, they make a home. And they lay their eggs in the sheep's nose. If that wasn't bad enough, these eggs hatch. And their favorite place to live is in the sheep's sinuses. So they will crawl up into the interior of the sheep's head, and that sheep will, will experience such discomfort. Hear me. Will hear such discomfort that the, sh- the sheep will, be, will bash its head against rocks, trees, brush, to try to relieve that agony. In extreme cases, that sheep will kill itself just to relieve that. That's extreme. I'm sure that if it's happening very often, they would do something. But they do. So this is, this is something that happens. And it's, it's, a not, it's, it's not a, you know, that, that fly, it's just a little thing. It's just a, it's just a little thing. But that little thing gets in your brain. And that little nagging thing turns into a, a bigger thing and starts to multiply. Until it's driving you mad. During fly time, the shepherd will apply an oil mixture of uh, linseed oil. It's a mixture of linseed oil, sulfur, and tar to the head and nose of the sheep. You anoint my head with oil. And it keeps the flies away. I think it keeps everything away. <laughs> Sulfur and tar? The, sheep, the shepherd doesn't smell it after a while, but everybody smells the shepherd coming. He's mixing, if he's mixing that concoction. And this is what Keller says, he says, once the oil had been applied to the sheep's head, there was an immediate change in behavior. Gone was the aggravation. Gone the frenzy. Gone the irritability and the restlessness. Instead, the sheep would start to feed gently again. Excuse me, quietly again. Then soon lie down in peaceful contentment. We have been given this thing. And it's not magic. It's not. It's actually a person. We've been given the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit anoints us with his presence at salvation. And that presence of the Holy Spirit is enough that all those nagging doubts, fears, Anxieties, 
when we allow the Holy Spirit to pour over our minds and our hearts, it will move those pesky thoughts and even interpersonal relationships that are, are, are nagging at us, co-worker at work. Does anybody ever have a... No, I won't ask you that. Maybe there's a hypothetical person in here who has difficulty with a coworker. It would never happen amongst you, I know. I've had this. I'll pick on myself. And the thought of running into that person at work, it gives you fear. When you start applying the, the, the uh, oil of the Holy Spirit, the, this concept of the uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit on us, it takes, what does it make? That's just another sheep. It's just another sheep. It's, God loves that sheep. Do I have to do this? Uh, this is the next point. Next point is this. Once the oil, think about this, all you Christians have been Christians for a long time. Here we go. Once the oil would get old, it would lose its potency and the sheep would need to once again submit itself to a fresh covering. I, I assert today that there are a lot of believers that are living underneath their original covering. They're not, not Christians, but they've never submitted themselves again in their fears, in their frustrations, in their anxieties, submitting themselves. Folks, it's fly time. When that fly time comes, when you see that thing, when that fly time comes, you've got to allow yourself to submit yourself to a fresh anointing, a fresh covering of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm not saying that there's, you're saved again or not saved. I'm saying when we, when we come to Christ, we have this anointing of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, I've known a lot of Christians for a lot, that have been Christians for a long time, and they're not living in that victory. They're not living in that place of rest. I'm one of them. I've had those moments. Maybe I'm the only one in this room. But I need to submit myself to a fresh anointing of God's Holy Spirit. Pray, God, cover me again. Help me to, help me to see through your eyes. Help me to not be uh, bothered by these things that are all around. I'm telling you right now, 2020 is fly time. And we need to submit ourselves to a fresh anointing of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. It will drive out those pests. It'll drive out those fears. It'll drive out all the things that cause us to beat our heads against the wall. I know what that feels like. I had a sinus infection one, day, one, one year, so bad. Never felt pain like this in my life. If, you know, it was, it was basically, Lisa, hide the power drills. Because if I could have relieved that, I mean, I mean, it was so bad. I remember being like, ah, you know, it was just, it was such pain. And I know that there's Christians who are struggling today. 
was massive pain. I, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing you. Please understand that. I'm saying that these gnats that are little become big. They become big. I'm not saying that your problem's little. I am not saying that. I'm saying that it's gotten to a place where you're, you're, you're beating your head against the wall to try to get some relief, and it's not doing it. It's just making you worse. What needs to happen is before you get to that point, you need to let God's Holy Spirit submit yourself to a fresh anointing. All right, next one. The good shepherd dispels the fear of nagging hunger. Green pastures, still waters, and overflowing cups. Overflowing cups. Sheep can go a long period of time without water sources as long as the grass is good. It's, and that's part of that ruminating. Did you know that? Part of the ruminating is to get all the moisture out of that grass. Munching on your own mucus. You know, the, the idea of bringing it back up and delicious. It's a sheep. Relax. It's okay. They don't have a problem with it. Rabbits do it, cows do it, I mean, come on, relax. Don't you do it, it's weird. They can go a long period of time, as long as there's fresh grass. The water uh, in the grass will sustain them, but at some point they are going to need a sufficient, clean, fresh water source. And this is also from Ke- uh, Keller, he says this. When sheep are thirsty, they become restless and set out on search of water. They go out. If the good shepherd isn't providing it, they, they know when they need to. If not led to a good water supply of clean, pure water, they will often end up drinking from the polluted potholes where they pick up internal pesticides and other disease germs. St. Augustine summed it up this way. O God, thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls are restless searching till they find their rest in thee. Folks, there are a lot of people out there trying to quench their thirst in dirty potholes. The only Fresh water source for our souls is what uh, St. Augustine said is God alone. Christ made it clear that the thirsty soul of man can only be fulfilled, satisfied, and quenched when their spiritual thirst is fully quenched by, the drawing, by drawing on him. John 7.37, I want you to hear this. John 7.37 says this, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd. Ready? Anyone thirsty may come to me. And there's an exclamation point. He actually shouted it. If he was texting it, it would have been all caps. Anyone thirsty out there, you can come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, and this is talking about Jesus, not about the person who gets the water. This is about Jesus. The scriptures declare this about the Messiah. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Oh, that's a good passage right there. 
Are you thirsty? We're all thirsty. And too many people are looking for the quenching of their thirst in these dirty potholes that the world offers up. And they're getting sick by it. It's, it's starting to, it's killing them. It's a parasite. He said, if you are thirsty, come to me. Come to me. Rivers of living water will flow from my heart into you. But he's not content to just give us a drink. Remember that passage? My cup overflows. He will cause your cup to overflow. Listen to what he says to the woman at the well. Dissect, dissect this again in your mind. He replied, if you only knew the gift of God, the gift God is, uh, has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me. This is the same guy that just said, living water will flow from his heart, right? You would ask me, and I, nah, I would give you living water. That's just, see how those two passages connect? I'll give you me, the living water that flows out of my heart. I will give it to you. The woman says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. See how limited our, see how limited our vision is? He's standing up on the rock. It's like, it's right over there. I can see it. I'm right here. You're in the weeds down there going, you don't have a bucket. It's like, ah, oh, sheep. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you are greater than the, our ancestor Jacob who gave, this, uh, gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he or his sons and his animals enjoyed? It's like, yeah, you're exactly right. I am better than Jacob. I'm right here. And you're focusing on an ancient well. I'm right here. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. See, Jesus isn't content to give us a, just a drink of, this, of himself, living water. He's not content with that. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. It's awesome. I was driving through New Hartford the other day. You got to understand, anybody doesn't know this about me, the other day could be like nine years ago. When I say the other day, it really doesn't mean much. It just means it happened in the past sometime. Anyway. I was driving through New Hartford the other day. And I was, caught, I, my, I was driving up over the mountain there to get to, get to Torrington. And I noticed a, a rod just coming out of the ground. And there's just water shooting out of it. I was like, that's weird. And then I, so I, I, I slowed down and I, this is a natural spring. People, people actually, and I found out later, that people actually go with buckets to this spring. You'll see them pulled over on the side, and they'll fill up their buckets, they're, they're, you know, because it's spring water. You know? And it's free. Why are we buying water? That's so weird. Anyway, designer water. That sounds like a money-making idea. 
if I bottled this water and I said it was really clean, people would give me money for it. We're so dumb. Anyway, as I drink the water. Anyway, people go there. But this, this water, it just drains out onto the road. It feels like it's almost like wasted, but it's, 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 it's coming out on the road. And it makes pools. And these pools overflow. If I were to take a bucket and hold it underneath that spring, what would happen? That bucket would fill up, right? It would fill up. And what would happen after that? It would come over the top, and then there would be water dripping down, and somebody else could literally come and put their bucket underneath that. And after a while, that bucket would fill up, and somebody else could, we could have this huge bucket brigade of spring water because it's just going to keep coming. Why does God want our cups overflow? So when my cup is full, you can get some. When my cup is full, I can give out, and I can give, and I can give. But when my cup is empty, I'm thirsty. So we need to plug into the source. Again, is anybody thirsty out there? Come to me. I will give you living water. And I won't just give it to you. I'm going to give it to you in so much that it's going to overflow and you will never be thirsty. And not only that, but your cup is going to run over so much that other people are going to catch, going to get some of that water from you and they're going to fill up. And guess what? Then they're going to have their cup over because my source is never extinguished. You can't extinguish God's source. Peace, if, if, if you're plugged into the well of, of the Holy Spirit, you'll never extinguish it. It will never run dry. The only time we ever feel dry is when we turn to something else to quench our thirsts. Ever hear this statement? You can bring a horse to water, you can't make him drink. Where do we get these sayings? The funny thing about that, you remember that show Mythbusters? They confirmed this myth. There are times where horses will not drink, and you cannot make them. They're bigger than you. You can't, So the Lord can lead us to still waters. And though he knows it's best for us and what we need, he does not force us. He does not force his will upon us. It's calling out. Hey, horses. I got water for you. Anybody thirsty? Come to me. I got it. I have it. And I have it in abundance. I have everything that you need. And actually, more than that, I have what you're craving. You ever been really thirsty? Matthew eleven twenty eight. We're gonna close with this. Lisa's like close. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Can that sum up our lives? This busy, frenetic life that we live. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
Yoke is like a yoke of oxen, something that you, that you put on, not egg yoke. Yoke of, take my yoke on you. And what this is referring to is the body of the rabbi's teachings. Take my teachings. Take my way of doing things. Take my instructions upon you. For I am gentle and lowly of heart. This is our good shepherd. And you will find rest for your souls. Can anybody go, oh, thank God. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. (sighs) He's a good shepherd. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you so much that we don't have to provide this for ourselves. That you make us to lie down. You, You want this for us. You provide all these things for us. The freedom from fear, the unknown, freedom from internal struggle, freedom from the pests and the parasites, freedom from you provide it's hard work and you did it because of Jesus Jesus accomplished all he is our good shepherd Lord if we're striving to produce these things in our own life and we're frantic and we're we're unsettled because we're trying to make these things for ourselves Lord I pray that we once again we would submit to the leadership of the good shepherd you said come to me all who are weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. God, help us to keep our focus on you, to submit ourselves to a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. To look to you, the author, the perfecter of our faith. We ask this as we take a deep breath of rest try to realign our priorities. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week in Christ. God bless you.